The other big advantage that I think is a little less known, unless you've kind of worked with teams both in North America and South America, is the overlap in popular culture. Uh, I think that also Mm. makes teams really um, gel very quickly. Welcome to the All In Recruitment Podcast by Manitel, where we explore best practices, learnings, and trends with leaders in the recruitment space. If you like our content, please subscribe to our channels on YouTube and Spotify to stay tuned for our weekly episodes. I am your host, Lydia, and this week we have Frank Lissia of Howdy.com joining us. Welcome, Frank, and thank you for making the time here. Lydia, Howdy, uh, thank you for having me. Yes, I like that plug right there. (laughs) (laughs) So so what's the mission behind Howdy.com, Frank? Can you tell us a little bit about your role as CTO and founder? Sure. And so we started Howdy about four years ago now. And the problem that we were trying to solve, uh, me and my co-founder, were that we're based here in Austin, Texas. And over the past four or five years, it became harder and harder to hire good software developers and product developers here in our small city. And so for us, it was a big necessity to find talented people all over the world. And that was the big problem for us. So we didn't have a good experience with the traditional freelancing platforms or the traditional outsourcing platforms mm-hmm. or outsourcing companies. And we thought we had an opinion about how to attract some of that product talent that we really wanted to work with because we couldn't find anything exactly like it. We decided mm-hmm. to start our start our own. We actually bootstrapped it first. Then we took some seed funding from Y Combinator, which is a, an important investment firm. Mm-hmm. And then recently we closed a, a Series A to continue our our growth. Um, I'm one of the I'm the CTO, so my day to day has to do with managing the product um, part of itself. So if people, for example, went to Howdy.com and actually interacted with the product, that's me and my team. And then I also deal with the engineering management. So that is, you know, uh, managing the careers, the mentorship for the all the software developers that work within the Howdy network. So you, you spoke about some challenges and in, in, in traditional recruitment that that you've seen, right? And and what are those challenges? And what what is your perspective around that? Yeah, absolutely. One of the challenges that we had when we were trying to recruit software developers was that the it depending on where you are so i'm in the united states my perspective of recruiting software developers anywhere in the world but in my case in latin america we realized was a little bit um, restricted to major channels that already existed and it could be kind of a, a very us centric uh, perspective because i didn't I really appreciate the reputation that these major easy channels had in the Latin American countries. Um, you know, what is that platform's reputation in that country? And so that was one of the big challenges that we had is that it, before we started the company, we really only had the view of the world that these pre-existing channels had. Mm-hmm. And the way that we ended up breaking through that was you know, actually really traveling down to the places where we were trying to recruit mm-hmm. and actually speak to people and speaking to communities and kind of learning um, what our target audience's pain points were. And I noticed on on the website that 
the motto states that it's a there's a developer first approach taken taken in Houdin, right? So can you elaborate what this means, Frank? Yeah, absolutely. So this is part of what we learned when we were trying to recruit these, um, you know, our, our, our target audience. Um, what it means for us is, yes, it's important to provide the sort of table stakes that people expect. Things like perks and benefits and health insurance and so on. But the other thing that we recognized was that it, it really benefited us to be choosy with the clients that we work for. Because what was really attractive to the audience and what really helped uh, people personally was that we're recruiting for teams that have long-term career paths. And so we really limited ourselves to companies that were product-oriented, that were looking to provide people all over the world the same career paths, whether you were in New York or in Bogota, Colombia, you had the same responsibilities, scope, the you know, howdy.com um, helps to normalize the benefits so that everybody had similar benefits, health insurance, equipment, and things like that. So that's what we mean by we put uh, our developers first. We will regularly turn down a customer, you know, respectfully, if we don't feel like this kind of talent, uh, valuing talent in this way for the long term for career growth and so on doesn't suit them. Perhaps they're not at that stage. Perhaps they're small. Perhaps they really just need four hours of, you know, of an adjustment on a website. And this kind of solution isn't suitable for that kind of team. So what might be some steps that you, you take to, to identify if there is uh, such a long-term career prospect for a candidate? So there is definitely a discovery process. For us in our discovery process, what we typically tend to do is ask about the the company's or the department's um, product development philosophy. Mm -hmm. So for example, if a customer is talking about, well, you know, I, I really just need four hours to add this particular feature. So if they're speaking in terms of hourly work, project-based work, uh, three-month work, six-month work, maybe um, scoping projects, getting bids and estimates, then Howdy.com doesn't tend to work um, best for those kinds of teams. However, if the conversation is instead about what are the a developer's career paths within your organization? And what's important is that this is a developer or any developer, what is their career path? What, what do you do about salary adjustments? What do you do about uh, bonuses, infla uh, inflation adjustments? Here are the standard benefits package that our platform provides. Are you all interested in providing any additional benefits above and beyond the standard ones, even above the, the ones in their country, in order to help attract and retain talented people? So that you can see that that's it's much more of an HR conversation about mm -hmm. the growth developments and HR uh, experience that people have. That's really where we help teams uh, really stand out when they're trying to recruit talent. As opposed to just the, you know, how much are you going to charge me for this website and when are you going to be done? And and why did you choose to focus on hiring talent for tech talent, specifically in Latin America? What advantages does the region offer? Yeah, so I think the most obvious advantage is the overlap in U.S. time zones. Mm. So this is really important for certain teams to say that. Um, you know, my favorite example is you have a software developer or a team of software developers and a bug comes up 
sometimes the fastest way rather than chat back and forth in email or in Slack really is to do what you and I are doing and brainstorm solutions. Uh, it's much higher bandwidth to kind of explore ideas. So that kind of real-time collaboration can be important for building software, but it can also be very important for resolving customer issues during mm -hmm. business hours in the United States. Uh, the other big advantage that I think is a little less known, unless you've kind of worked with teams both in North America and South America, is the overlap in popular culture. Uh, I think that also mm -hmm. makes teams really um, gel very quickly. So mm -hmm. there's... If you're working on a software development team, whether you're working with somebody in South America or North America, if you make a reference to The Simpsons and a bunch of other popular culture, there was a lot of overlap in during very formative years in video games and music and movies. And well, that makes things gel much faster, especially if you're all working, you know, in different sides of the earth. And then finally, the the work ethic, especially in Latin America, is uh, it really matches uh, the way that companies tend to work in Silicon Valley, where there's a big emphasis on work-life balance, but also nobody's going to get grumpy if occasionally you, uh, people are working extra to hit a deadline, so long as it really is occasionally and not, you know, there's really that team buy-in. And, uh, and those are some of my favorite aspects of working with uh, teammates in, in Latin America. So what are some strategies or techniques that you found to be effective to identify and even attract the most suitable talent in, in this particular region? Yeah, so the the big one I think is not to overlook or undervalue the the power of um, of meeting people in person. I think is is mm -hmm. one of the the strategies that has really worked for us. And what we do is we provide space and we sponsor and host these technical communities. If you're a software developer, you're regularly getting together with other software developers to learn about the latest techniques, the latest architectures and tools, and the latest mm -hmm. advancements in AI and so on. And we, we like to try and give back to those kinds of communities by offering them premium spaces and food and dinner, because often these are after work and drinks and so on. The Being there on the ground, actually valuing people, providing that kind of value makes it so that you can find just one good software developer. I think that's a challenge people can can you know can, can accomplish, just find one good one. And what that unlocks is, you know, once you have that one good one, who does that person respect and admire? Mm -hmm. And now you all have a you know a, a space to invite them to. And so now that one great developer or that one great great teammate can turn into two or three. In fact, for for us, we we did the statistics and for every one teammate that we hire, on average, we have 1.2 referred to us. So it's a very viral kind of uh, effect. And we manage that viral effect by um, first kind of providing value to these to these communities to actually participating face-to-face -face in these, uh, these uh, places there on the ground. So not only through LinkedIn messages and emails, but actually you know, doing the hard work of showing up where, where we want to meet people. What are some, maybe some unique challenges uh, that you've encountered when you look for talent in, in Latin America? Yeah, the unique challenges is, it was breaking, one of them was breaking through the noise. Mm -hmm. um, the, it's sort of two sides of the same coin. If I'm in the US 
then the obvious channels for me to access people are going to be, you know, the, the major platforms and, and uh, you know, uh, companies and so on. The flip side is if you're a talented person in Latin America, you are being bombarded constantly, constantly with noise from those platforms also, right? Hey, you know, do, do, do you want to join our company? Do you want to have a project for you and so on? So that, that goes back to you know, a simple way to break through that noise is to actually participate and be, be present in, in you know, these communities and so on. Um, also, it was building trust because the, if, we, if, we're, if we're one among a million different uh, uh, you know, entities or com- companies trying to hire software developers, there's no reason to trust one over all the, the other ones, right? And so mm-hmm. that was another unique challenge is that the the market, the secret is out. So for US tech companies who want to hire talented people all over the world, um, Latin America is becoming, you know, uh, it, it's it's no longer kind of like a, a, a well-kept secret. And so those were the big challenges is how, mm-hmm. how do we break through? That's going to be a challenge for anybody trying to recruit in that part of the world really is how do you break through the noise? How do you access that inaccessible talent? Um, there are really talented people we're not interested in hourly gig work that that you really want to work with. Um, how do you get access to those people if not through the major channels? Mm-hmm. And then finally, how how do you how do you build trust because you're just one among a million people asking for you know, a time and attention? Could you share some insights maybe into your approach for evaluating a candidate's cultural fit or cultural ad, for instance, uh, within a company's values or even work environment? We recruit for so many like different companies that it, for me, it, it really just comes down to um, collaboration, very, very close collaboration on, uh, on a numbers game, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, what we do naturally is our recruiters and our company, you know, our clients recruiters have to be 100% in sync and have to build that pipeline together. So we build up the early pipelines where we have, um, you know, Quick vetting problems. This is where if a hiring manager loves this particular uh, vetting problem that we can ask in two minutes and evaluate in three minutes, we'll put the very basic ones up there. So that's hand in hand with that with both recruiting teams. Uh, then there's also a second level, which is um, hand in hand collaboration with the hiring managers on both sides. So we we do something um, that not a lot of companies do. I, I don't think they do. Is we hire engineering managers. So we're not a software development company. We don't, you know, ship products. We don't do projects for people, but we hire engineering engineering managers nonetheless. And the reason we do that is because that way, the engineering manager or the hiring manager in the United States can have a peer in the U.S. Excuse me, in Latin America, where we're trying to recruit, where they can collaborate also on the second stage of that of that pipeline to build mm-hmm. uh, to um, get on the same page about. Well, what does a what does good communication skills mean, and what does a senior developer mean, and so on? Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, of course, the just the the logistical coordination uh, for handling all that, all the handoffs from from uh, uh, interviewers, feedback, gathering all that. We we assign that to our our recruiters to keep that whole flow flow going. So that's our, that's our approach. There's no uh, you know for us. I, if you were to ask me, there's no silver bullet. It's just a mm-hmm. uh, being hand in hand at the two levels, which is you know the initial recruiting level, the vetting screening level, but also the deep dive level where people evaluate communication skills, cultural fit, and so on. 
making sure that both hiring managers, the ones that work for Howdy and the ones that work for our clients in the US, have designed a common pipeline and a common evaluation framework together that we can then hold them accountable to, right? So to uh, and that's how we that's how we approach that problem. So no magic. <laughs> so how long do you take to hire someone in tech, regardless of, of the region? And what is the approach towards assessment in the hiring process? Uh, I think the first one is, uh, how long does it take? It tends to be that we move faster than our clients do. Mm-hmm. Um, we move as fast as they do. So if we have, if we have agreed on screening criteria, then we're recruiting en masse across a, ca- a continent and we have candidates every day. And if they quickly tell us, yes, this candidate, I want to meet them uh, or no, then that the whole process moves much, much faster because it's a pipeline. And if you're delaying one step of the pipeline, one or two days times a thousand people, you know, everything gets delayed uh, uh, like crazy. So we put a big, big emphasis on um, holding our partners accountable for you know, if, if we make, if we send a profile, we need to know, do you want to meet this person? Do you want to chat with them for 15 minutes or not? Mm-hmm. Those gaps in communication really, really add up. And so if we facilitate an interview, we have to know whether it's a yes or a no. So top, uh, the, the top priority is always speed, speed, speed. And that's very much a cultural thing. I think it also means that we have to be willing to have Awkward conversations with our clients and uh, with our with our engineering managers and remind them, show them the statistics. Uh, you know, this hiring manager in the same time that you hired one person hired you know four people that did well in all their interviews, right? So I, th- I think there's room for improvement here. Whatever it is, that's uh, those are the kinds of conversations that we have. Um, as far as best practices to to share, um, we we do put you know that emphasis on on speed, but also the the technical bar at least for our philosophy can be mitigated very much because these are technical tests and there's very often they're pass or fail and there's a billion different um technical test evaluation platforms like hacker rank and so on so yes that's important but for us we do um we put more emphasis on communication and transparency so for example you know is this the kind of person who, if you if you ask them to explain how the internet works, can mm-hmm. do it to a non-technical audience and so on. So we do put that kind of emphasis in our, on our communication as part of our process. So when you look for talent in Latin America to serve American companies, are you also looking at not just remote, but also uh, candidates that are willing to relocate? So in general, the companies that we um, are are working with are not necessarily looking to go through the whole um, visa uh, process, which can be costly, and you have to, you know, have a goal, do a whole process. It has happened um, generally when companies are working with for us. However, what they're looking to do is start up their own office, mm-hmm. and that's that's what we help them do. Right? They can set up their own sort of development center, offices, equipment, benefits, and so on. Uh, we help find the people. We help run the HR, the the uh, benefits, the payroll, the taxes, and all of those things. So often um, when we explain that, it lessens the need to actually bring the whole team over and sponsor visas in the United States if they have their own blank canvas and logistical support to extend their engineering department or their product team in three different cities, three different countries, and so on. So not generally, but it has happened, and we certainly facilitate that. We 
we, we whatever's best for our, our developers, right? So if they have that opportunity, we're we're thrilled for them. So on top of communication skills, for example, what are some traits that you look out for when you search for top talent? Um, so what we really advise people to look out for is um, number one is people with courage. It might sound sound a little cliche, but courage in a remote environment is very, very important because uh, if there's risks to a deadline, if the person is uncomfortable because they feel they're not being paid enough, or mm-hmm. it, for whatever reason, we find that in a remote environment, uh, in our experience, it's much easier just to kind of put in a notice all of a sudden mm-hmm. and disappear. And the, the, uh, you, all of a sudden you have this valued teammate who one day seems to want to want to quit. Um, and so in those cases, when we've when we've caught them, we kind of did a little bit of, a, I don't know, assertiveness training. It's like, what, what are you trying to get out of your career, out of this situation? And we guide, have, have guided our, our, our teammates to broach that topic with people in the, with their teammates, their colleagues in the United States, rather than just quit and leave the game entirely. So there's also recruitment technology that I imagine would play into this. So what might be the impact of recruitment technology in your experience? Uh, and what might be some of the benefits that you've seen? Yeah, so I think the biggest, of course, the the, the tools that are out there, like the applicant tracking systems and the referral systems, are, I think those are all table stakes now. Mm-hmm. Um, I have learned a few um so we have really taken advantage of um, ad hoc customized processes that historically you may need a software developer for or an API integration in Breezy for. And so the low code, no code tools. Um, so for example, Airtable or similar tools, if, if you're uh, Retool is another one. So these are um, tools that let people actually build their own data flow, non-technical people build their own data flow flows. Um, that has had actually one of the biggest impacts above and beyond, you know, the, the standard tooling, because mm-hmm. um, it's it's allowed us to to, for example, um, for example, collaborating with partners on a specific communication exercise. It would be very very difficult to do that in a customized way, um, but with some of these no code tools, it's very easy for us to kind of pull together, uh, you know merge a bunch of spreadsheets together, grab data from here and here, all with just clicking and mouse movements and so on, and then build, you know, something that historically might have, you might have needed a software developer for. And then all of a sudden it's got forms and everything. So I would say uh, that allows us to, um, you know, kind of think bigger about processes. So for example, these howdy houses Mm -hmm. also, you know, are, are managed run and we collect information and, and, and names and everything. Uh, we do that in our Airtable systems, which feed into analytics systems and marketing systems and so on. So I think that's one one of the biggest uh, impacts that these technologies Mm. have had. So Frank, what advice would you give someone starting out in recruitment today? I think it's important to value the power of uh, face-to-face interactions, especially after after COVID. I think it's not being utilized as as, uh, much as it should be. Mm -hmm. Uh, We've kind of defaulted to remote first. Uh, but face-to-face is, I think, super important. Um, teams are always going to be distributed, but people will always be social. And I think that's it's really powerful when we value time and value people in that way. Understanding the 
the communities on the ground. So if we're, whatever we're recruiting, you know, if we're software developers is an easy example because they self-organize in, in groups uh, mm -hmm. there, they, they, they give talks and so on. It's, it's really important to be a regular. It's very important to be there in, in those conversations, to be a known entity, to develop that, that trust. Um, and then finally, I think it's to remember the power of referrals. How do you find great teammates? Um, you find one great teammate, you, you value that teammate, and then you ask, who, who do you respect? Who do you like to work with? And now all of a sudden you might, you know, maybe they're not ready to switch jobs right away, but you have built your, your database of, of names and, and put yourself in that person's mind for the future. And then I think the easiest, easiest thing, it might be a bit of a cheat code, is to just be sure that we're, uh, I, I, call, I call it sales, it's recruiting too, but be sure that we're selling what people want, mm -hmm. right? So it's much, much harder if you're trying to sell a company that you know in your heart isn't the best culture, isn't the best product and so on. Uh, you, know, you might want to make the best the decision, the harder decision to move on and sell something else, something that people really get excited about. So. I think those three things would probably be my my uh, uh, my advice to somebody getting started. Thank you very much, Frank, for your time and your insights. I think these have been valuable because it comes from the point of view of really understanding what motivates and what really makes a developer what a developer looks for in a career and and what companies ought to look for too when they attract uh, talent in the tech space. So let us know your contact details, Frank. I'm sure the audience would like to connect with you here. Yes, absolutely. So everybody can contact me at my email address. My email address is the letter F at howdy.com. You can also just visit our website, which is howdy.com. So best way to, that's the best way to get, get a hold of me. Thank you for joining us. And we have been in conversation with Frank Lassia of Howdy.com. Remember to stay tuned for more weekly episodes of All In Recruiting.